Each Day Podcast Radio Show with Bruce Hilliard. Today and every day, reaching out for innovative ideas in every way. Today's show is brought to you by your future. It comes with a lifetime guarantee. As drummer for the Vanilla Fudge, Carmine Apice set the grooves for the groundbreaking band's 1967 psychedelic debut, inadvertently inventing stoner rock in the process. Fudge had no precedent. The band was totally unique. No rock group up until that point had ever taken poetic license on well-known pop tunes like the Beatles' Eleanor Rigby, Ticket to Ride, Curtis Mayfield's People Get Ready, Sudden Shares Bang Bang, and Rod Argent's song made famous by the zombies, She's Not There. And most famously, the Supreme's Motown classic, You Keep Me Hanging On. You keep me hanging on. You keep me hanging on. Taking music to new and improved to new and improved hippie heights. know it but that is Carmine Apice the drummer on Rod Stewart's Do You Think I'm Sexy After authoring books, mentoring upcoming drummers, touring, recording, and staying healthy at age 74, Carmine's latest release, Energy Overload, is out of the oven. Carmine Apice and Fernando Perdomo on guitar and keyboards collaborate to become the Apice Perdomo Project, and here's what they sound like. You've got some tour dates with... Vanilla Fudge and Cactus. So we're actually putting all this stuff together now with the logistics, you know, the manager getting the band, you know, we're rehearsing, blah, 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 blah. You know, by the time you're done with everything, paying for everything, you say to yourself, this isn't even worth going out. <laughs> Everything's so expensive today, you know, the gas, the prices of the gas and everything, it's unbelievable, you know, prices of the, of the vans, you know, because we're not, you know, not doing a real long, big paying tour, so they're not taking a tour bus out, you know? Yeah, well, I was happy to hear that you're doing this deal with a solo guitarist. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's just me and him. But he has... And he, and he plays bass and, and keyboard and all yeah, that. Yeah, I saw, I saw there was a B3 organ in there, I believe I saw in the video. He, yeah, he plays that too.
tracks? I do. I got like uh, 13 drum tracks, you know. I always had 13 drum tracks, 13, 14 tracks. And put a percussion on, maybe 15. Really? There's that many? You know? Yeah, yeah, but I but I use the old uh, Andy Johns micing system, so it sounds very natural. Now, and I don't pad my drums up, you know. I have a very natural drum sound. And the ones I'm using here in my studio and in, in, in my house here, I've got these 1971 khaki space drums, you know, and they're 24 by 15. They're a little longer. Are you currently using a awesome. double bass? There you are. Yes, I always use double bass. I, I mean, very once in a while I use a double pedal. Like if I do a clinic or something, uh, oh. they don't have the double bass available. I always use double bass. I like but the different tone. But you didn't tone, carry on, you right? Know? Yeah. I didn't use double bass in 68. The first Fudge album, I didn't. Uh, but the first three Fudge albums, I didn't. And then from near the beginning on, it was 1968 when I got the Ludwig endorsement. And I used uh, I used double bass on big ones, 26-inch bass drums. All those drums are oversized, which started the, fan, the trend of oversized drums. And, and when you get oversized drums, you have to play them harder and more powerful. So that's where that whole style came from, you know. Big drums playing hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, before John so Bonham. you influenced yeah. a lot of players. <laughs> and I got, I got John Bonham, the same drum set. I, gave, I got John Bonham the same drum set as mine as his endorsement. And I called Ludwig and got his endorsement thing. Wow. Nobody knew who he was at that time. You know, it, just, it was just coming out. And uh, I liked him. And he saw my drums, which they opened up for us. And, and he said, man, can you think you can get me a set of drums like that from Ludwig as an endorsement? I said, I'll call him. So I, I said, we sent him the first album. And then I called him. And then he... Uh, I told the guy, I think they're going to be big. It's like the understatement of six decades already, you know. And and he had a double, he had a, he had a double bass drum kit just like mine, you know. And then we did another tour after that, and he used that kit. And then after that kit, Robert and Jimmy said he was too busy, you know. He said you're too busy. Uh, take one of the bass drums away. And when well, he did that, cool story. He nobody know better than you. You know, I, I know. I look at the that's list of the, the people that you've influenced and people that you've played with. And quite literally, it would be easier to say all the important people the last 45 years and then just take this and this person out. That'd be the easiest way to make the list. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Yeah. I guess that's why yeah, I'm still and you around. stayed healthy. And why the fudge is still around. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I try to stay healthy. It's uh, even though some things yeah. you can't help, you know, but. You know, you, you do your best to do it. You know, I try and work out every other day. I try and eat good, you know, and I don't, I never really did any heavy drugs. I never yeah. did cocaine. Or, I did a couple of times we did LSD, you know, in the 60s. But, you know, I was never like a, a fan of doing it every day. Smoke some pot, not like a, 
I was one, not one of those guys that woke up in the morning, rolled a joint, smoked all day. You know, I would I would roll a joint at night, take a couple of hits to go to sleep, or if I was going to go see a movie or or go see a band, you know, that kind of stuff. But just recreational, you know, not really, not really like as a habit. Yeah, you know, that's so cool. You could do that because you've seen a lot of tragedies, I think, through the years, as I have. It's it's out there. Oh yeah, and I never, never drank. Beer, yeah. I hated beer. You know, my my uncle drank beer, and he he gave me beer when I was a kid, and I hated <laughs> it so much. I I really I I I gained this this horrible phobia to drink oh, beer. Really? You know, I hated it. I hated the taste of it.
that's pretty rare. So Budweiser's not going to be looking for you to do an ad for him. I know. No, definitely <laughs> not. Come on a piece and Coors Light. Yeah. It's bad, bad enough we did uh, back in the day. Back in the day, Vanilla Fudge did a Coca-Cola commercial. We wrote it and sang it, and Jeff oh, Beck played wow. guitar on it with us because our guitar player got sick, and Jeff wasn't big yet, you know. And uh, so he did it with us, and that's what turned us on to wanting to play with Jeff because he was so good on it. But we did that. We got paid good money and we used to hear it on the radio, you know. Vanilla Fudge for Coca-Cola, you know. I'll have to Google that. I don't know if I've heard that, but uh, it's actually on. You you you, you can go to you know, YouTube. It's on YouTube. So is that how you hooked up with Jeff back then? Well, that's how we, we you know we got to know him. But we had the same yeah. attorney. Uh, our attorney handled Jeff Beck, Jimi Hendrix, the Yardbirds, the Rascals, Vanilla Fudge, uh, Herman's Hermits. You know, just a whole bunch of acts. So you know, then that's how when Vinny got sick. The attorney said, well, look, Jeff Beck's in town. I'll see if he can come down and play on that session. And he did. You know? And then he wow. played with the Wawa. And, you know, he was awesome. And the main said, wow. Oh, wow. And even Mark Stein. Yeah, Mark Stein said, wow, this is awesome. You know? And then, then we found out later that Jeff wanted to play with me and Tim. And that's how it all started getting together. We had a couple of, uh, you know, like roadblocks, but we made it. Beck, Bogert, and Peace. I bought that album. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I was a big Beck fan, but I'd only heard him with the Yardbirds at that point. So yeah, exactly. Kind of a, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he got to play a lot more with us, and then and then I turned him on to that uh, jazz rock stuff, and I was I was actually on Blow by Blow, and uh, we oh. couldn't work out a, we couldn't work a deal out, so they took me off. You know, so that was kind of a drag, and then the thing went out, and it, it was his best selling album. I said, yeah, great. No, it's like my influence <laughs> got we got into this thing. I hung out with him in England for three months, rehearsed, practiced, we put songs together, went in and recorded with George Martin. I did five or six tracks. And then they yeah, they they re recorded some of them and then they replaced some of them. But I worked with George Martin, it was awesome. And then we couldn't work out a deal with the label because I was scientific also. So oh, God. Yeah, it was just a lead just a a legal bullshit thing, you know? That's so and, frustrating. And then, when, then when it came out, it, it was the biggest record he ever did, man. You know, because when we were doing it, oh, no. I say to the manager, you know, I, you know, I was over there at my own expense, you know? And uh, they, they said, uh, either going to be a Becker Peace album or, or a Jeff Beck album, and we'll figure it out. So I, I just took a granted, we figure it out. And they didn't figure it out. But, you know, then we... Yeah, I still stayed friends with Jeff and toured through the years. And now we actually have a, a 1974 Live at the London Rainbow album with seven new songs coming out. It has a song called Jizzwiz on it, which is really the bridge that took Jeff from rock to the jazz rock, you know. And the jazz rock was, uh, you know, this thing started off in 13-8 timing and, and it went to 6-8, oh, and it wow. went to 3-4, and it was instrumental, you know. And uh, so this was, you know, this, I guess this was my influence on the band because I was listening to Mahavishnu and Billy Cobham and all that stuff, you know, at that time. With the weird time eaters? Oh, yeah. I loved all that. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. And then, then it moved into to Blow by Blow, and then I did a solo album for CBS, which they never released. It was, a, it was like Blow by Blow. Musicians my age know you and a lot of yeah. people that you've played with, but if I go to a younger age, they don't know. But if I say, do you think I'm sexy, Rod Stewart, he was drummer on that. They go, oh, really? I know that one. So, yeah. So yeah. That's kind of your claim to fame in a lot yeah, of ways. And a lot, and a lot of the younger musicians know me by my drum books, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. You've done a lot. You just stay busy, don't you? You're a driven guy. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I love music. That's what I do. You know, people say, yeah, I don't watch football, I don't watch sports, you know. I do music, I love music, you know. I mean, even now, when you don't really make a lot of money on albums, you know, like a little bit, but, you know, I still create new music because I like creating new music. I'm, I'm doing Christian music now, too. I just I love to read Christian songs since, uh, since I almost died three, uh, about three years ago or more massive nosebleed when I was in a plane, you know, and, uh, wow. and I prayed to God to get me out of there, and, and you know, I got out of there, so I've been listening to the Bible, I found this amazing church down here, it's like a revival, the band was amazing, it was got like oh, wow. five or six singers, and I'm going to do a, a book with the drummer there, I got the, first of all, I got the drums for the church, they had an electronic kit that was awful. I got them a D-drum kit, some endorsed by D-drum. I got them a kit. And now the drummer that plays that kit is a 28-year-old kid. It's amazing. So we're going to do a book on how to play Christian rock drumming, you know? And, uh, you know, these, these crazy ideas keep popping into my head. Things that, you know, need to be done, you know? Things that haven't been around. Like, there's no book 
there's no there's no book like that, you know. When I did guitars, I said the drummer doing a guitar album. Nobody did that before, so I did it. You know. Now we're doing a 25th anniversary box set of that, and we did three new songs. You know, and you know, it's just. Uh, when I wrote the drum book, I mean, initially there were no rock drum books written by a, a guy that played rock that was a rock star, per se, you know? I wrote that. And yeah, what is Christian rock drums, though? Is is there anything different? It's different. It's different, yeah. There's a lot of tribal stuff in it. And a lot of tom-tom things that, you know, it's played a little, a, a, quite a bit different than just playing straight rock. You know, or progressive rock, you know? It's like, there's no time signatures or nothing, but... But it's not like a two and a four every every beat, you know. There's there's tom tom jungle kind of tribal stuff going on. Pretty cool. Wow. And I, then I've got yeah, a lot to cool. learn. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you're paving the way for me because I didn't know that at all. Though. Oh yeah, if you listen to like uh, K Love in Seattle, they probably have K Love. It's a Christian station, you know. When they have these Christian pop songs, all these Christian pop songs, a lot of them don't just have straight beat. Yeah, straight grooves. They have these tom-tom things going on. And then the groove comes in, then it stops. There's build-ups, there's breakdowns, and so kinds. Of, it's not straight ahead. Where did that originate? Uh, I don't know. I, I see, believe it or not, I see a lot of vanilla fudge in this Christian music because they do a lot of build-ups like boom, 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 like with the okay. dynamics that we used to do, well, vanilla fudge did that a lot. You know, and when I heard it, I said, "Man, there's a lot of vanilla fudge in these in this music." <laughs> I didn't know I was doing that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know. Well, that's cool. Yeah, it's trippy. Have a good day, my friend. Make a better stay in heaven. Listening to the Better Each Day Podcast Radio Show with Bruce Hilliard. We'll be back with a new horizon, but until then, honor the future. It comes with a lifetime guarantee. And we're all just trying to make the next day a bit better. <laughs>